Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for December 27th, 2020. Tonight's scheduled guest is Josh Fenton, the commissioner of the NCHC. Behind the Mask College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Verizon Wireless. Experience Verizon's 5G and 5G Ultra Band for business. Verizon Wireless, 5G, built right. By Bell Ford, see our award-winning dealership at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, or go to bellford.com. The NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe to nchc.tv and watch the best in college hockey all season long. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com and gear up for the new season on ice or in line. Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations, two in California, your home for sports, craft beers, and made-to-order burgers. Roger Klein's Canción Tequila. For the best margaritas and more, go to MexicanMoonshine.com to see how to get your bottle today. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Stop in and pick up any of our award-winning sauces on your way home at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Caesars Entertainment Resorts. Anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. And by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, ASU alumni owned and operated. College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the Icetime Hockey SW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in, everybody. Everybody that might be listening to us live, as always, Sunday night, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Scott Strandy joining you uh, from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York. And, folks, this is College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. We are excited to talk college hockey, as we always are, every Sunday and Tuesday night. But, Paul, how are you? Uh, we're doing good, and I don't blame you for wanting to hear Leah's voice over mine on the intro. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what happened there. I heard her voice one second and then heard mine the next, but uh, that's okay. Her voice is <laughs> I didn't hear that. Anyway. I, I, I only heard yours. I don't know what oh, really? I, I, maybe it was my – I don't know what the heck I hit then. Maybe it was me on my end in my headphones. I, I – this is why you guys do the technical stuff, and I just um, and I just hop on because uh, uh, because no, I don't it, have it was the all you tonight, idea buddy. What I'm doing. It was all you. Well, okay, well, it was. Paul, if we made it be through. A screw the... up, it's probably mine. <laughs> we made it through the. No, don't go there now because I've done plenty. <laughs> let's uh, let's, uh, let's say uh, a Merry Christmas belated and a Happy Holidays and an upcoming Happy New Year to uh, to everybody out there. We survived the uh, the Christmas holiday. I'm assuming that yours was good since I had a chance to visit with you a little bit. But uh, how was it? Well, it's you know, it's quiet now. My children are much older. You know, it's it's not the same. Uh, when you have smaller children around, uh, the only really small one we have in my family is my niece, and she's a few hours away, and hopefully we'll get to see her this week. Uh, you'll under—I mean, you already know this, so it's not like I'm telling you something you don't already know. 
you know, and you got that little one coming up who's already terrorizing his parents. And, uh, <laughs> I like to send you that video every now and then. The oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And you know, I'm not used to uh, baby's first words not being mama or papa. Taco? I'm in. Let's, <laughs> let's just get him. Uh, well, hey, maybe we should have. Maybe we should have really worked hard on it to get him to say burrito. Yeah, well, that would have been okay too. But I, that, that's awesome. I, that was hysterical. I was laughing my butt off. Uh, good to hear. Good to hear. Okay, so uh, the hockey season is uh, in full swing. We've had uh, games being played uh, all the way up. There was games today, I think, Paul. So everybody's getting a little action in. Um, tonight, we have a very special guest that we've been looking forward to. We have the commissioner of the NCHC uh, joining us. Josh Fenton's going to join us here in about 12 minutes or so. So looking we'll forward, forward to, it. to that because uh, we have a lot of things to talk about. He had a very, very successful uh, run with the NCHC pod in Omaha. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about how that came about. And uh, I know you want to have him uh, give a big thank you to all of the people that helped him with it because he didn't do it by himself. We know that. No, no, no. And he'll acknowledge that. I am 1,000% sure of that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we'll talk about where we're headed with the NCHC and other college hockey things. Uh, uh, When you look at Josh's resume and you just look at what he's done with the NCHC in uh, the last seven years since its existence, basically, um, the things that he's accomplished have been phenomenal and the growth of college hockey has been phenomenal. So, you know, shout out to another Minnesota boy. If you need to get something done, just look for a Minnesota boy in hockey and, and, and usually we can get it done for you. Uh, are you guys are you gonna <laughs> want me to shut my mic off so you guys can just talk about the Iron Range and and, oh, well, and, Josh, and, Josh is a city boy. He, he's well, a that's why I don't, well, yeah, listen, boy, so. listen, you're, you're talking to, to a New York City kid. To me, anything outside the five boroughs is, you know, was, was the country when I was growing up. So, uh, I mean, I know differently now, obviously, but uh, – I hear you. But I – it was all concrete to me. You guys had like trees and, <laughs> so, and dirt and, and we, we played on frozen back backyards and things like that. So that was uh, that was the way it went. Uh, I do want to tell you a, a couple of things that, that really shocked me all the time is like um, the pod ended after 21 days. And then there's a couple of weeks off, but then I see teams that are already back practicing, getting ready to go. We talked to Coach Powers on Tuesday night. Uh, he's going to be in Minneapolis on New Year's Eve, and they're going to get a couple of skates up there in the big ice sheet at Minnesota before they play. Uh, Denver, I saw, was on the ice practicing. I know uh, most of our teams are are getting in a lot of practice because uh, it's been such a weird year. And, and they'll uh, play next week. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden you're talking New Year's Day. you got games scheduled. There's no holiday tournaments like would normally happen, but the season is going to start right back up again, and uh, we're going to continue to move on. So right in the middle of this crazy pandemic, everybody's being as safe as possible, and uh, I think it's working out really well. I, I've said this many times, Paul, since March. Uh, I am so proud of the hockey industry from the NHL on down for what they've been doing because it's been just uh, – you know, one phenomenal thing after another. They figured out ways to get it done. Uh, I talked about Vegas and the fact that they just didn't slow down. They just kept on building right on through it, all of those things. So uh, kudos to the hockey people. Let's take a quick break, and then let's come back in about two minutes with our uh, our guest tonight, our special guest, Josh Fenton with the NCHC in about two minutes. Excellent. 
We've all been there. We know what kind of gift to get someone, but sometimes it can be too hard to make sure that the gift is the right size or style. So we shrug our shoulders and try to think of something else. Well, if that person is the hockey player in your life, the answer is easy. A gift certificate or a gift card to behind the mask hockey shops. Whether you go to any of our Three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com, our gift cards are the perfect solution. Sports equipment, especially hockey equipment, has to feel right to the user. And the Behind the Mask gift card allows you to show the player how much you care and lets them pick out what's right for them, whether we're talking about sticks, gloves, skates, or more. Pick one up today at any of our Behind the Mask locations in Gilbert, Peoria, or Scottsdale or at BehindTheMask.com. Thrilled to have you with us. The nation's top teams. America's number one conference is back. See every play, every hit, every goal on NCHC.TV. Your home for more than 100 live games. Stream anywhere. From the start of the season, leading up to the frozen face-off. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein out on beautiful Long Island, New York. This is College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. And, Paul, it's our... Uh, Great pleasure to welcome in the uh, commissioner of the NCHC Hockey Conference, Josh Fenton's joining us. So, Josh, welcome in. Scott and Paul with you. How are you this evening? Hey, Scott. Hi, Paul. I'm doing well. How are you two? Uh, well, we're doing, doing good, Josh. We're doing real well. You had a, uh, a good Christmas, I'm guessing? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I got back from Omaha very late into the night on Monday, and uh Christmas came fairly quickly there, so um, yeah, there wasn't much ramp up to Christmas this year because I spent so much time in Omaha, but uh, it was nice to be home, and I've got three small boys, and so it was good to spend some time with them. Well, I told Paul, he's a native New Yorker, but I said that uh, I'm from uh, up near Bemidji, about 45 miles west of Bemidji, and I know you're from Litchfield, so uh, a couple of Minnesotans ganging up on him. He's getting used to it because we've had Micheletti and some of those guys on, so... <laughs> Well, we won't That's get right. too tough on them. <laughs> state, state of hockey, right? Uh, <laughs> we, us guys have to stick together. Uh, my mom and dad have a have a lake place in Park Rapids, so just south. Of okay. There. What? Where? Yeah. What? But they, yeah, well, I don't have a map in front of me. I, do I have to start doing the show with a map every week? This is what happens uh, when you bring more Minnesotans on the show. Uh, oh, my <laughs> Lord. Oh. Okay, Josh, let's dig into this first and foremost. I, I want to find out. Uh, first of all, when you came up with the plan for the pod and when you started the planning process, because I'm sure it was a full-time job for many months. Yeah, you know, I, I, th I think the first time we really started to think seriously about it was maybe middle of August, maybe towards the end of August. Uh, I had some interactions with our athletic council, which is our athletic director kind of group uh, chair, and said, hey, you know, maybe this isn't such a far-fetched idea after all. I think we had all had some conversations, you know, back in the middle of the summer, July, seeing what the NHL was doing, obviously what the NBA was doing, and thinking that, you know, that is just not feasible, realistic at the collegiate level. Um, 
But then I think we started to think a little bit more that, hey, this may be the only way for us to get our season going successfully, just given the geography of the conference. And so I would say it was probably probably mid-August uh, when we, we really started to have some of those conversations and then things really heated up um, into the month of September. And then from there, it was, uh, you're exactly right, it was a full-time job. Um, I, I felt like, and I think a lot of us felt like we did nothing other than plan for it and get ready for the pod. Um, and, and we probably bit off more than we could chew. And, and we just, we probably didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, to be honest with you. Um, but we just kind of kept going, plugging away, learning as we went, as we created the plan. And then obviously we got to um, late November, early December, and, and there we were. And we were in Omaha and, and we completed a, you know, I was there for 23 nights and 38 games and, uh, you know, went off uh, fairly successfully. Yeah, absolutely. I will follow that one up, and I know Paul's got some questions for you in a second, but uh, I will commend you, first of all, because I thought it was fantastic. I thought your coverage on nchc.tv was fantastic, and I know your, your cooperation with Midco was was just uh, unbelievable. Paul got a little uh, uh, bent out of shape sometimes because he couldn't keep up with the North Dakota advertising, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never seen any of that before. <laughs> But anyway, well, at, at, at this point, Paul, I mean, you don't you have your uh, vacation book to Devil's Lake for ice fishing? <laughs> um, Mr. Commissioner, I got to be honest with you. I spent 10 years in 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 in, in Arizona in 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 the Valley of the Sun. And uh, that's the only time I want to see ice is on a rink or in my class. Yeah, it's cold enough here for me. I understand. Uh, so anyway, Josh, to finish that one up is that uh, I thought you guys did a fantastic job, and I'm sure there were things behind the scenes that maybe didn't go as planned. I know you had the, the, the problem with the Colorado College, which was really unfortunate for them, and um, but but things went off really well, or at least you, you did a great job hiding it if there was something that didn't. Yeah, I mean, certainly there was uh, quite a bit of stress uh, behind the scenes, especially those first few days. You know, I, don't, I, I think everybody – didn't know what to really expect once we got there. You know, we had created a medical protocol, which included the testing strategy, and we felt fairly confident in that. And that was months into creation, uh, working with good fine doctors at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, uh, the Global Center for Health Security. And, and you know, we I, I've had more conversations with virologists and pathologists and uh, doctors that know a lot about this virus. Um, but you know what? It, it really helped us get to a plan that we felt comfortable in executing. And, you know, when we got there the first few days, uh, we went through a testing process where we actually tested every single person uh, to ensure that they were cleared kind of coming into it. And that was the most important test that that we executed. And that was a PCR test, the highest sensitivity test with a, what they call nasopharyngeal collection, which is the collection in the back of your nose, which is if you talk to the virologist or pathologist, that's where the virus lives. And we tested everybody, including those that were previous positives, because the doctors had said, hey, we've seen instances of reinfection on this thing, although rare, can happen. So let's make sure that we can test everybody and clear everybody on the, on the initial go around. And so we tested um, every single person in what we call tier one, which is everybody in the travel party, plus kind of the essential staff and workers that had connections to teams. And uh, we had to work our way through some, some challenges there on the testing because we did have some um, positives that were uh, indicated from that test 
of those that were prior positives. And we kind of expected some of that. Um, it was maybe a little bit more than what we expected, but the protocol was written in a way where we were able to use some tools to look at things like viral loads and antibody levels uh, to essentially clear people because that infection that was found in the body was considered to be an old infection, a remote infection, because they previously had that had the virus you know, maybe months ago. And so there was some nervousness a little bit in those first few days, Scott. Um, but once we kind of got through that, then we got into a rhythm uh, with testing and, and frankly, with just the general operations that became very uh, rhythmic as, as we kind of went along. And, you know, by the second and the third week, I, I'll tell you, I still had very uh, a lot of nervousness each and every day in which we tested, which was frankly every day. Not everybody tested every day, but there was somebody testing at least every day. Um, and so there was always a little bit of uncertainty surrounding that, but we don't believe we had any, uh, you know, what I, what we would call active infections during the entire time of anybody within the tier one, um, designation for the three plus weeks who were there. So, um, pretty excited about that and, and pretty excited that we were able to create a safe environment to play hockey games. So just to give people an idea of a comparison, you say those first three or four days that everybody was there, you tested uh, all uh, at a much more intense level. What was the difference, say, on those first four days, those first five days, as compared to by the start of week three that you guys were there? What was the, 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 the contrast in the numbers, approximately? I don't think they have exact numbers. Yeah, so, so the testing strategy laid out basically where – I'll actually take you to prior to when we got to Omaha. Teams had to test three times and certify three negative results on an antigen, which is a rapid point of care test or a PCR test prior to coming into the pod. So they certified those results with us. Everybody arrived. The first thing that they did before they did anything else, including check into their hotel, was take the on-site arrival PCR test, which is the one I just described. And that was that was where we collected on everybody across all teams, regardless of whether you were a prior positive or not. We had documentation if you were a prior positive, and that was an important part of the protocol. But again, there, there have been instances of reinfection, so we wanted to clear everybody and make sure that we could um, ensure that there wasn't any reinfection. So we did that initially. We got everybody cleared through all the, the, the tools and the technologies and the expertise of the medical doctors that we used. And then we went into a rhythm, uh, Paul, where, where we were testing basically every day you played a game okay. or potentially the day prior if you played the noon game the next day. So if you played the noon game the next day, you got tested the day prior. And that was just from a timing standpoint. If all other game times, whether it was a 3.34, 7.30 or 8 o'clock game, you got tested on that day. We tested one time a week with a PCR test, again, the highest sensitivity uh, test that's out there, the gold standard as they refer to it as. Uh, once a week, we did a PCR test. All the other tests were rapid point of care antigen tests. The other thing that I will mention is that once we cleared the previous positives on that initial test, that group was then exempt from testing per CDC and NCA guidance, um, knowing that they had the infection before uh, we cleared them that they didn't that they were not reinfected, and there, therefore we didn't need to test them th throughout the duration of the pod. Um, and that's protocol that that people are following across the country for any sport. 
So, so Josh, I, I talked with several coaches over the last oh, six months or so, and, and I said one thing with NCAA hockey this year, it's kind of like it's been um, you're all out for you're doing your own thing within a conference or whatever. And, it, and of course, the independents like Arizona State had to uh, join up with somebody, and, and the Big Ten kind of adopted them for the year. But um, everybody had kind of their own game plan, and I thought your game plan was the best, not only because you're here with us tonight, but when I looked at it from, from 30,000 feet, Josh, I thought, what a great idea. We saw the success of the actual bubble in the NHL. So how much did that play in, in the way you wanted to set up the pod part of it? And did you think it would be as successful as it was? Um, you know, we believe, I'll answer the second part first. We believed in the protocol. We believed in the plan. And so I, I don't know how we were going to define success other than if we were able to play hockey games. And that's ultimately what we were able to do. Certainly, we had some nervous moments maybe at the beginning, whether this was going to work or, or not work. Um, but we were able to clear everybody. And then once we got into that rhythm, guys, I felt fairly uh, confident that we were going to finish it successfully based upon the plan that was set up. And that was months into the making that we talked about earlier. Regarding the National Hockey League and the bubble uh, up in Edmonton and in Toronto, um, I, I had had many conversations with them, just kind of learning a little bit about the logistics and details, in particular the venue configurations and what they went through with operations in the venue, especially early on in those bubbles because they had so many teams that were in those venues early. You know, when you got down to the, the conference semis or the conference finals or the cup final, obviously you didn't have as many teams there. Um, but I wanted to understand how the operations worked. And so they gave us a lot of good insight into things like locker rooms and towels and you know just how to, how to manage things but the one thing guys that that we never uh, proclaimed that we were going to be was that we were going to be the nhl bubble it just was not going to happen they created a true bubble that's why they called it a bubble we created ours and we called it an nchc pod you know that word kind of just kind of came from discussions amongst our <laughs> athletic directors people were people were a little nervous and I understand why to call it a bubble because if you look at a bubble and you think about a bubble, it's nothing in, nothing out. We wanted to control the variables that we felt like we could control that gave us the safest environment to con conduct hockey games for a group of student athletes that deserve to play hockey games. I'll, I'll tell you the biggest reason why we felt like this model ultimately was the right model for us. We are a conference that spans three different time zones, the mountain, the central, and the eastern time zone. And so if we thought we were just going to put our teams in travel mode, and this was thoughts way back in August, uh, that we were just going to put our teams into regular travel mode and that everything was just going to be fine, we, we felt like we were fooling ourselves. And we said, you know, there's a way in which we can get off the ground and get off the ground successfully. And this is the way to do it. Because if we go into the regular travel mode right away, we're going to start and then we're going to probably stop. And it also said to us, hey, it gives our schools a little bit more time to prepare for when we do have to go into the regular travel mode. It also gives it more time for maybe the virus to, you know, calm down or go away a little bit. Obviously, that maybe quite has, hasn't quite happened yet. Um, but our geography and just the distance and the geography and the travel that's involved in the conference really led us to this, you know, this is the safest manner to, to start the season. And, and uh, we went through it and, you know, I would say for sure that was the safest manner to start the season. Okay. So you guys came up with the idea for the pod and then 
did the pod idea come up first or just splitting into divisions for the rest of the schedule uh, follow that or was it uh, at the same time? Uh, you know, it was kind of at the same time because when we were thinking about pod, we were thinking about how can we eliminate the hardest travel in the conference and move it into a centralized location. So we were obviously thinking about a pod when we were thinking about how can we alleviate the travel for teams like Miami and Western coming to Colorado or the two schools in Colorado going to Miami and Western. And so what we did was then obviously we created divisions, which we created somewhat regionality in the conference, if you could call it that, um, with West and East and said, if, if there's a way in which we could structure the conference overall to whereby we could we could get rid of the, the longest travel trips, play them in the pod, and then for the second portion of the year when we do have to travel, can we manage that travel even with some longer bus trips? And we felt like, you know, the model that we created uh, certainly allows our teams to do that. If, if Miami and Western or, or CC and Denver were going to go to one another, there's no busing. You, you have to get on an airplane. There's just no busing with that. Um, you could, you can bus from Miami to St. Cloud or Western to, to Duluth. Um, and so, yes, those are long bus trips, but those bus trips are doable. And so we tried to create regionality in the conference because we knew that the travel was going to be an important part of it. But the, the concepts were kind of born at the same time because of that. So, Josh, when we talk about the conference just a little bit, breaking off of the pod now, and we talk about just how good your conference is, were you surprised at the teams and the results that you saw in the pod? Uh, no, I, I don't think I've ever surprised by results when our teams play one another. I think, you know, <laughs> that, that's gone maybe out the window the last, uh, well, maybe since we started where anybody can beat anybody in any, any given night. And, you know, that continued to, to play play true in the in the pod certainly there are a few teams that had a little bit more success a few more wins than other teams um i I think a couple of them that were expected so to speak whether it be preseason rankings to to have you know maybe better records than others but yeah i i I don't think any of those uh results were um you know anything that 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 uh, had me know surprised or or anything like that uh it was great hockey we had some great hockey games i know it was very different and at times difficult for our student athletes and uh coaches um you have to keep in mind that we we played you know 10 hockey games for seven of our excuse me uh, five of our schools and cc played eight and duluth and st cloud played nine over a you know 19 or 20 day stretch and so they were playing on a schedule that they weren't quite used to. And so when you started to get into things like third game in, in four days or fourth game in six days, you know, those were things that I don't think, um, you know, we had a, had a lot of experience with. At the end of the day, I think our teams handled it very well. Um, I spoke to many of our coaches and certainly there were moments of fatigue, um, but I, I don't think it was any sort of consistent moment of fatigue where, hey, the third game and the fourth day, was really where everybody fell apart or the fourth game in the sixth day is where everybody fell apart. It was kind of different for, for everybody else, but uh, it was exciting to see our teams play again. Um, and for me, I don't get a chance to watch 38 straight hockey games like that. So that was pretty special. <laughs> well, I'll tell well, you, let, well, my co-host loves that part of it. <laughs> oh, well, I was just about to say that uh, as the outsider here, okay, 
um, I, I, I tell Scott every week when the NHL had its bubble and they had all those games in one day, uh, you know, as long as I was going to be stuck inside, let's go, bring it on. And I got the same feeling watching these games. Uh, most of the most of the games were tight, uh, exciting games, and and I was loving every minute of it. You know, triple headers. I was looking for quadruple headers. You know, I'm I'm an old man with no <laughs> life. So, um, and you know, and 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 the production quality on those games uh, was was top notch. And that was kind of the the other question I had is uh, how did how and when did uh, having every one of those games uh, in that pod uh, produced by Midco? Well, that was uh, something we started to, once we kind of had an understanding that this was going to come to be. Um, you know, I, I was looking for a production setup that would allow us to distribute all games through NCHC TV. And obviously Omaha has their own internal setup, which they would normally do on, you know, any regular weekend that they're hosting two games. Um, and certainly they, they, they probably could have managed that, but I think we uh, got very lucky and we are very fortunate to have a good partner who's uh, North Dakota's uh, regional sports network and Midcontinent sports network to help uh, produce and distribute all 38 games and it would have been 40 had we been able to play all 40 games in the pod and we started working on that uh, probably early in November and finished it up um, shortly before uh, I suppose the weekend week before Thanksgiving I think it was all kind of wrapped up um, and it was great to, to have Midco there they did a phenomenal job there there were so many positive comments like you just said about the production quality and how that added to everybody's experience. And so um, that that means quite a bit to us. I know that means quite a bit to Midco. Uh, and we were proud to be their partner, and I think they were proud to be our partner during that time. And um, who knows what it may lead to in, in the future between the two of us, but, um, you know, it was a great relationship that, that really added quite a bit to the quality of the pod. Because I'm not going to lie, I, you know, and anybody that's listened to this uh, since I started doing these 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 podcasts knows that it has made me nuts with the technology available. That sometimes I'll watch a game on a stream and I'll be like, "What are you guys doing? Just plug it in." And I, you know, and <laughs> so uh, and, and and being the ASU alum that I am, you know, we are. As a, you know, as a program, uh, you know, dependent based on the situation and the newness of the program, what other schools do for their streaming services. And it was a complete and total uh, joy to, to watch those games. It was top-notch production. And, and like I said, outside of getting used to the commercials that you just don't see where <laughs> – you know, axe throwing and ice fishing and, and, and farm products, you know, growing up in New York city, uh, it was great. And, and, and Scott will tell you that I just gushed over this for like two weeks now. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's really great to hear. And thank you for those very, very kind words. And I'll be sure to pass those along to Midco and, 
I know their advertisers certainly got their their money out of it based upon how many time, how many people are talking about axe throwing and ice fishing and <laughs> all the great commercials that that were. You know, I just so. yeah. I mean, listen, I, and 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 I, you know, and 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 I understand that you know they got that giant bang for their buck too. Uh, it just, like I said, it just, especially the first game, it just catches your eye. I'm like, wait, what? What did I just watch? So, um, kudos okay, to that. so. so- and so I know that you got more, yeah. Paul. Yeah, I guess I, I want to. You know, I I know you want to talk about other things, but you know, as as I said to you, um, I know you had an interview on the air in that last game, and I just told Scott that um, you know at the end of that interview, you got to acknowledge all the people uh, that were behind the scenes that nobody gets to see and nobody gets to talk about. And I just wanted to make sure that they weren't last today when we talked to you about the the whole pod thing. No, I, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, none of this happens without the support, number one, of our overall membership, our athletic directors, even our presidents and chancellors, who are the ones that ultimately approved that we were going to go do this and go do it in, in the city of Omaha. And then secondarily, it moves to the people in Omaha with the University of Nebraska, Omaha, University of Nebraska Medical Center. That starts with their chancellor, who's on our board. Um, the chancellor of UNO is actually also the chancellor of UNMC. So that helped us in, in, a, in a lot of ways form that relationship with the medical center there. Uh, the Baxter Arena staff, I mean, boy, I, I, I'd work with those people any day of the week. And, and so a lot of people behind the scenes, and then certainly the NCHC staff, Michael Weissman, uh, our director of communications, Verna Toller, business operations manager, Don Adam, our director of officials. I'll, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you a logistical detail that can be easily forgotten is, oh, by the way, you've got to find a way to get officials to this event. <laughs> and these guys are not full-time employees like they have in the, Nas- in the National Hockey League. And so right. you're asking for guys to take time away from their families, their full-time jobs, to come officiate games. And I can tell you, we had guys step up left and right, put their hand in the air right away and say, how can I be a part of this? And we had three referees that stayed there the entire time. Ryan Hersey, Nick Krebsbach, and Joe Sullivan. Three really good referees, I believe, in college hockey. Um, But they stayed there for three weeks. And those guys worked a lot of games and they provided a lot of sacrifice. So, you know, Don Adam, our director of officials, coordinated all that. So he, he's he, he's a big part of it. But the officiating staff in general and the supervisors that were there, you know, we couldn't have done it uh, without them. So a lot of people behind the scenes, uh, including Midco, um, that, that helped pull everything off. And we'll be forever grateful to them. And, you know, you mentioned it, you know, when we started here tonight. Uh, you have three boys that you got to spend some time with. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the to everybody's family that had to sacrifice seeing people for three weeks. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I'll start. My wife's a saint. She she gets it. We've been in college athletics now for almost twenty years, and she gets the the deal. Um, she worked in college athletics previously. Um, she and our boys, they're just so supportive of, you know, what dad does for his job. And, and I'm very thankful for that. But um, there are a lot of uh, spouses and children and partners out there that uh, sacrificed a lot for people to be gone away from their homes for, you know, three plus weeks um, and a- allow our student athletes to compete. Guys, I'll, I'll go right back to what, what was the goal? What is the goal? It's very simple play hockey games very simple 
yes, we got a lot of exposure. Yes, we had a lot of fun with fans. Yes, we had a great time on NCHC TV. Good, good broadcast. Um, people like you guys enjoyed it. But at the end of the day, guys, I just wanted about 215 players to experience playing competitive hockey again because they hadn't done that since the second weekend in March. Um, and so that was most important. But you're right. A lot of people sacrificed for for those guys to have that opportunity. And, and I know they'd all do it all over again. So, Josh, m- moving forward now, uh, you have the regional contest coming up and they start very quickly this weekend. Um how do you expect things to go? And, and looking ahead past that, have you given thought? Uh, I'm sure you have to uh, your your final face-off or frozen face-off that you guys have. Yeah. So regarding the rest of the season, you know, I kind of go back to what we were thinking about when we put the pod together, and it was the safest manner to start. And and if we felt like we just went into regular travel mode, we'd start and we'd stop because the challenges. Well, unfortunately, those challenges continue to exist, and and we see them in college hockey. We see them just generally in college athletics or in athletics, I should say. Um, and so we, we aren't naive to think that we're just going to go start playing hockey games this coming weekend and we won't have an issue and we'll get all the way through the end. You know, ultimately, I think we're, we're probably going to have issues and, you know, we're going to have to work our way through those issues. We've got protocol. Uh, we've got uh, policy in place that can help kind of guide us through the season. If we were to have COVID issues that would force, you know, cancellations, postponements, that type of thing. Um, but we believe the regional regionalized schedule to, to some extent, as much you, as you can regionalize our conference, will help hopefully mitigate the issues and that we can keep playing hockey games. The one thing I will say about the pod that has everybody, I think, in our conference understanding better is that if you adhere to protocol and you adhere to doing the right things like masking and distancing and they'll get tested regularly on their campuses, that we've got a chance to keep playing hockey games. And now that they've got a taste of that, I think that taste stays in their mouth. And I think we've got a good chance to keep playing all the games that that we can. We're probably going to have issues. Everybody's had issues. We're not going to worry too much about that because we've got plans to deal with those. As it relates to the postseason, um, right now we're scheduled for our four quarterfinal round sites on our on our top four finishers of our standings, uh, and then the frozen faceoff in St. Paul at XL Energy Center. We're certainly having lots of discussion about that. Uh, we had discussion about it throughout the month of December um, when I was in the pod with our athletic directors. And looking and talking about um, different types of scenarios, whether we can go to Excel uh, for the frozen face-off, whether we may want to consider something on campus. Um, so there's a lot of variables that still need to be figured out. I think the next, call it, couple of weeks are going to be really important for us to figure out what that postseason looks looks like. But for right now, it's on as scheduled. But any and all ideas are being considered still. Speaking of the postseason, uh, how often are you guys having discussions uh, with the other conferences in the NCAA about the NCAA tournament? You guys got me. I, I lost you on that question. Oh, okay. No, I'll ask again. Uh, so speaking of the postseason, uh, how often – do you talk to the representatives from the other conferences and the NCAA about the NCAA tournament? 
Oh, good question. Um, so I, I talked to my commissioner colleagues. We've got a standing meeting now once every other week. And so once every two weeks, we're on the phone. We're talking about national topics. A lot of it early on was how we were all kind of managing through and finding ways to start the season. That's kind of morphed to more national topics like the tournament. Um, we, we've talked about the tournament quite a bit. As of right now, the NCAA tournament is on as scheduled with the existing format. Uh, we know that the selection process is going to have to be different because RPI is really not going to be useful, which that means pairwise is not going to be useful um, because we just don't have any cross-conference competition. Or I should say we don't have enough cross-conference competition for RPI and pairwise to be useful. And so the committee's got a, a pretty uh, challenging task in front of them to figure out how they're going to select the at-large teams for the tournament when in past history for the past goodness 15 maybe 20 years at this point uh, we've been going off of uh, quantitative data and now they're mm -hmm. not going to be able to use quantitative data from this year to select the teams for the tournament we've been on record to say that we think that the tournament um, selection process should involve some quantitative data and we believe that they should go back and look at previous years history of how many teams each conference has placed into the tournament and then potentially let the conferences determine those teams for the number of slots that the NCAA would allocate for a particular conference. We, we could go back seven years to when the Big Ten and the NCHC started and look at the number of slots that teams have, have had teams in the tournament. The other uh, caveat that I would put to that is we've got a couple independents out there and so I think the committee should reserve the right to select an independent if they feel like an independent is worthy of consideration for the tournament. But I think it's a tough and tall ask to ask the committee to take and select 10 at-large teams when basically all you're going to have is um, in-conference in competition for everybody the entire year. So I don't know. I, 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 it's difficult to put the eye test to um, selecting teams for the tournament when you don't really have any cross-conference competition to, you know, what, what is the hockey, what does hockey East look like compared to the NCHC compared, compared to the WCHA and so forth. So um, it, it's one thing that people, People are a little unsure of how this is going to work. And, you know, I suppose we're going to find out. From That's at least what. You guys got me? We still have got. Yep. Yep. We still got you. You kind of broke up there for a minute. Yeah, but, you got me? Uh, I know we. What happened there? Yeah. Well, can you hear me? Uh, oh, I don't know. That's the, the, the yeah, magic of technology. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, so so Josh, uh, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about moving forward. We're here in Arizona State country, and uh, the new building was just announced a couple of weeks ago, and Coach Powers is certainly excited about that. And, um, you know, you look down the road, and they're looking for a conference. Um, I don't know. There's probably been preliminary discussions for years now since they came in, but um, any chance that the NCHC wants to get bigger? I don't think that's well, technology. We, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, <laughs> membership is always something that's uh, very important to us. 
You guys got me? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. You guys got me? Yeah. Yep, we still got you. Go ahead. I'm sorry, guys. I don't I don't know what's going on. That's okay. Um, yeah, so uh, I was just saying that membership is membership is certainly very important to us. Uh, we talk about membership regularly. Um, we haven't talked about it a whole lot recently, to be honest with you, because we've just been in the middle of COVID right. and dealing with, with right. what we're dealing with for for the uh, the current season. Um, and, and so we haven't had a chance to really, uh, frankly, speak about it a whole lot. You know, the news about Arizona State's uh, facility, and, and uh, I've gotten to know Frank Ferrara and, and Greg Powers certainly over many years now, um, is awesome news for Arizona State as a program, and it's awesome news for college hockey just generally. Um, um, to have facility like that in, in a Mark is just fantastic, and it's going to do so so much good for for Greg and, and his program into the future. And, and it's a piece of, of something that's very important for um, Arizona State as they uh, look for conference affiliation in the future. Certainly, they are a, a viable member, a strong uh, uh, institution that that would be, would be a viable member for a conference. Uh, we just have not had a lot of conversation about membership. Uh, recently, and and that's frankly, guys, because of COVID, and and we've been spending 24 hours a day, seemingly seven days a week, on how are we playing hockey games. Now, having said that, um, I do know that there will be a place and a time to have a discussion about conference alignments um, in the near future, and, and that probably comes once we can kind of sift our way through uh, the rest of the season, get our get ourselves through the season, and then uh, hopefully feeling as though that the future years will return to some sense of normalcy and, and those conversations regarding membership um, can be a, a little bit more um, prevalent. So we just haven't had a ton of conversation about it, but uh, certainly Arizona State is a great program. Greg and his staff have done a great job and you know, they'll be a, a force for, for many years to come here. I guess well, my quick without, follow up, hold on hold okay, one second, Paul. Uh, just one quick follow up, Josh, uh, on that one would be it is even or odd numbers, does that play a part in membership for conferences? Or uh, I know for scheduling it's nice, but is that a requirement where if you were going to add one, you'd want to add two uh, just to stay even number, or doesn't that really factor in? Um, I, I, I consider that to be more of a convenience factor, to be honest with you. Remember, um, it comes down to what maximizes the value of the conference. Uh, for the existing member institutions if you're considering something like expansion. And so value can be measured in a lot of ways. You know, there's financial value, there's exposure value, there's recruiting value, uh, there's competitiveness value. There's a lot of different ways in which we can measure value. You know, the number aspect of it, of how many teams are in the conference is, to be honest with you, uh, in my opinion, Certainly, it's a small piece of value, but it's just that it's it's more of a convenience factor. Because um, you're right, it, it's it's maybe easier to schedule with an even number versus an odd number. But at the end of the day, if if an odd number makes sense because that maximizes the value in the conference, then an odd number makes sense because the the value is maximized in other ways. Good, because I've been had these conversations with people screaming about this obsession with even numbers, and that might be a media thing about 
how, well, they have nine, they have to make it 10, or they have 11, and they have, they're waiting for this 12th team. So I am very glad to hear that. Um, and we understand that the virus and COVID has made just about everything other than what's happening right now uh, irrelevant. But because he brought Scott brought up the future of, of, of the conference and just the future of, of college hockey in general, without obviously giving away information that you can't, before everything went crazy, would you have conversations with schools that would say, call you up and say, hey, we're looking to do this or we're investigating how to, would you have those conversations often or regularly with schools or uh, interested parties of schools that currently don't have programs? Yeah, I think that's just kind of the, the nature of the job, to be honest with you, is um, you know general conversations from time to time with people that maybe from institutions that are considering adding men's ice hockey um, and they just want to know maybe a little bit more about the sport or maybe they want to know a little bit more about our conference or hey what does it take to start a men's ice hockey program so yeah I mean I, I, I will generally have some of those conversations to your point I haven't had much in the way of those conversations in probably the past uh, year right. um, because of COVID but um, yes uh, th those are normal and natural and I don't think that that's unique to to me or the NCHC I think uh, conference commissioners and conferences hockey or otherwise have those conversations just kind of generally and, and regularly um, when, when they come up so um, yes I, I've had them but uh, to your point yeah I, we haven't talked uh, I haven't really talked with anybody in the past year all right, Josh, we, we certainly appreciate you taking the time tonight to visit with us. We've got a lot of great information. I want to give you one last one uh, to kind of shout out uh, the conference players that are playing in the World Juniors and, and what you've seen and, and how proud you are to know that your conference continues to produce that kind of talent. Yeah, no, so the World Junior Championships uh, obviously are going on. It's just great to watch hockey again, right? Just like everybody was watching the NCHC, now the World Juniors seem to be the showcase of hockey right now with not, no National Hockey League going. Um, and we've got three players uh, on Team USA, uh, Tyler Cleveland, Jake Sanderson, and Bobby Brink. Both those guys are from North Dakota, and Bobby Brink is from the University of Denver. And then we have Cedric Fiedler, who's playing on uh, Team Switzerland, uh, who, who played today. And so... Um, certainly very, very proud of um, all four of those guys. Uh, maybe a soft spot in my heart or our hearts because we're located in the U.S. for, for Team USA to do well. We've got three players on Team USA. Um, and so uh, we'll see how they go here now that they're back one and one Big win last night, big uh, lopsided win last night. But um, excited to see uh, NCHC guys uh, showcase their talents on a uh, international stage in the world junior championships josh thanks so much for joining us like i said i appreciate it on a sunday night in the Thank holidays you, you jump up and uh, and tell us a little bit about the conference and once again what a great job you guys did i, I can't say that enough uh, if if you're a college hockey fan you have to be a fan of what you guys produced in omaha well, thank you guys very much for having me, and thank you for covering the game of college hockey. Uh, you know, we're somewhat of a niche in regionalized sport, but um, passionate people like the two of you that cover the game and showcase the game do a lot for our exposure just nationally. And so 
I, I, we and, and I very much appreciate that. And uh, we had a good time in Omaha, but now we're we're back into uh, real life, so to speak, and look forward <laughs> to the rest of the season. But thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, folks, that's the NCHC Commissioner Josh Fenton joining us tonight on College Hockey Southwest Live. Paul and I will be back in about three minutes. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs. I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. The nation's top teams. America's number one conference is back. See every play, every hit, every goal on nchc.tv. Your home for more than 100 live games. Stream anywhere from the start of the season leading up to the frozen face-off. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv. If you live in the Valley, you know that there are no shortage of options when it comes to eating Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste combined with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos, which are served all day, to the combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year.
At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. Kalachaki Southwest Live. Every Sunday night, 7.30 p.m., presented by our friends over at Behind the Mask uh, Hockey Shops. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale. Paul Hornstein, my co-host uh, from beautiful Long Island, New York. And, and Paul, just a quick recap from you on the conversation with uh, Commissioner Fenton. It was everything we expected and more, I think. Well, listen, he, he, you know, it, it's first of all, it, it's nice of him to give us the time, uh, you know, especially since he just got home. Uh, you know, less than a week ago after spending three weeks away. Uh, it was a very good conversation to have. We get some insight that, that frankly, we don't normally have access to, like the whole protocols. And uh, I'm almost ready for my, what, what are the medical, what are the medical tests? You could be a doctor with MCATs. Is that what they call those? Uh, we're ready for those now, right? Um, uh we know everything, Paul, about the different well, types of testing for COVID, for sure. Yeah, and, and thanks, and we appreciate that, and that I, I you know, uh, and and I'm sure that the commissioner was like, uh, you know, especially at the beginning. I, I don't care uh, when when you're diving into something that you really don't have a lot of exposure to, like that in in a situation that's. Once every hundred years, you know, you have to learn fast and, and, and the, the adaptability and the quickness. And, and I know, think about that because of the way everything was set up, they actually did this quicker than you would think. And full marks for that. They did this in like two months. Yeah. Yeah. I actually you, you thought would, it you would think they're. He's talking about August when this whole thing right. started. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you would sit there. Oh, they started in June. Maybe they started in late May once the NCAA tournament was canceled. You know, they started working on contingency plans. No, they started in August. Yeah, and they had it's, it, uh, that's, what a, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal when you think about uh, the logistics of bringing eight teams together. And, like, you know, some of the things you don't think about are the off-ice officials that you got to have and the TV crews. They take care of themselves, obviously. The TV is TV. But but the officials, getting the officials to commit to it. And I know two of those officials that he was uh, talking about, well, one that he mentioned, one that he didn't, that uh, have full-time jobs and, and took time off to uh, – to help grow the game. And like Josh said several times over again, this was about getting the student athletes to play hockey. It was about nothing else than that. Everything else that came with it was gravy. And, uh, you know, you know, as well as I do, Paul, that, that I started this uh, six years ago to help grow the game. And uh, that was just music to my ears to hear him say that. And, and by the way, you know, while the eight teams in the NCHC, most of those programs have hockey as their marquee sport. 
and devote a lot of resources to it. They don't have the NHL money. Yeah, the, the conference doesn't have the NHL money. So to oh. pull this off without having that kind of access to resources is a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Okay, the dying question that everybody out there wants to know is, have you indeed booked that trip to Devil's Lake to do a little ice fishing and then take time off to go throw a little axe? Uh, with all due respect <laughs> to the folks up at Midco and Devil's Lake, which I'm sure, by the way, in July and August is absolutely spectacular, you would have to have a gun to my kid's head to get me up there in December and January. Well, I tell you, I, I don't care. And, and, Here's, and, and, and this I is don't know how modern ball. those houses are. Paul, this is going to be a summer feature. Uh, we're going to get a hold of my buddy Mike Peluso, former NHLer and former UMB for the Bulldog, who, yeah, who is a fishing guide uh, in North Dakota. We'll get a hold right. of uh, a hold of Mike, and we'll do a little show from from either uh, you know uh, Devil's Lake, wherever he feels like the fish are biting. We'll get some walleye, best tasting fish in the world, and uh, well, we'll have Mike take us out and and maybe do a show with Mike Peluso. Well, that, listen. You want, like I said, you want to take me there June, July, August. Um, I, I, okay, I'm down. But if you think I'm going there in December and January, you better think again because that just is not happening. I don't. Okay. I, don't I can't deal with the 20 degrees here. Forget about 20 below. A couple of things that that we want to housekeep on a little bit here. We're going to start the tease right now. There will be a Vegas week coming up where we're going to do all four podcasts from the beautiful uh, D Las Vegas in downtown Las Vegas. So keep your eyes peeled on our social media for that. Uh, it'll be a great opportunity to uh, to get out and meet us if you'd like, or get out and hear the show in person if that's a, such a thing, uh, and at least go out and see the new Circa Resort and the D Hotel. So that's coming up. Uh, a little while down here in January, and that also see now, uh, see now you're talking, yeah, all right. See, <laughs> I now knew that would get your attention. See, now, see now, you're talking. You're talking about <laughs> Las Vegas weather in in January. Now you're talking my language. Okay, well, that's good. We're talking Paul's language now, folks. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is we have a new partner, Paul. We've got Burrito Express on board. You heard their ad a little earlier in the show. Uh, Burrito Express has joined us. We're very so thankful my to uh, Angel Marin and his uh, brother, his partner, the former ASU alum. So uh, congratulations and thank you, you for he's joining not a us. Former ASU alum? You're either okay, an alum or you're not. He, okay, he's an alum. He's an alum. <laughs> I was going to say a former ASU student, and I, I got the former and alum put together. So yeah, I get you. He's an alum. Uh, yeah, and, and get out and try the burritos. They're fantastic. We're going to have them on. We're going to have some offers coming up where we can uh, give you a chance to win a gift card. So those are the two uh, main things of housekeeping. January 1st, Friday night, the NCHC is underway. Uh, you'll see both of our teams in the NCHC, Denver and Colorado College, facing off in a weekend series Friday, Saturday night. Uh, Friday night, they're in the Springs. And uh, Saturday night, they are back in Denver at Magnus Arena. Uh, the See, that's, a question. That's, that's a question I, I actually will wait to ask the commissioner at the end of the season. Uh, <laughs> you think he's going to talk to us again? <laughs> well, not if he's smart. Um, 
But she's just curious to see, you know, maybe this whole division thing uh, is like, wow, we really like the intensity of this, and there were no people in the buildings. Right. Uh, maybe we 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 look into doing this in another way, shape, or form, uh, and see what it's like with people in the building. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And then, I'm of course, sure the Denver uh, and Colorado college fans will like it. We've already uh, mentioned uh, a Saturday, or actually, we haven't mentioned Saturday, but Air Force will be on the road in Niagara to uh, face uh, the Niagara uh, Purple Aces. Purple, Purple Eagles. Purple Eagles. I think you're right. Purple Eagles. Yep. Uh, so they'll be in action on Saturday afternoon. And then, of course, a Sunday and Monday series, uh, Arizona State taking on the number one ranked team in the country, the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers, on the big ice sheet at Mariucci Arena in uh, Minneapolis. So 3M Arena, uh, Mariucci Ice or whatever they want to call it. It's 3M Arena, so let's make sure we get that right. Okay, um, so that'll be what's going on. Uh, you this week. Uh, so call ASU's basketball arena the University Activity <laughs> Center. So you're asking the wrong one. I know that I I know the the financial <laughs> desert financial. I think it is that they paid a lot of money, and I get it. But you know, ten years of calling it something, walking well, into it is here. Here's the thing, Paul. It used to be Wells Fargo, but before Desert Financial, and they called it the bank. And then Desert yeah, no, Financial those, those is a credit silly. union, so now they have to call it the credit union. It's still silly. All of those nicknames <laughs> like that are silly. And we, we okay. can get into that another night, too. <laughs> yeah. We'll need a old bay for that. But anyway, so that's what's coming up. Tuesday night, give us a little tease of Tuesday night, because I'm really looking forward to Tuesday night show, Paul. Tease us with what's going to happen Tuesday night. Well, Tuesday night, we're going to uh, get a little look-see into the past where uh, we started looking into this because ASU is playing all of their games on the road. This year, um, there is a connection to a previous team that has done that. Uh, Johnny Walker's father played on a Boston College team for a couple of years that played no home games. Yeah, they were building a new arena at that they point, were weren't they? Right, they were building a new. So they played two seasons of nothing but road games there, too. Now, it's a little different. A little different. You know, they were traveling all the way from B.C. to B.U., <laughs> and, and, and BC to Northeastern, et cetera. And sometimes that 45-minute bus ride was rough, huh? Yeah, I'm sure it was. We can ask them about those too. Uh, but we'll be joined by uh, Jeff Walker, uh, who was a goalie on that team, and the team captain, Paul Marshall, to discuss mostly those two years. I mean, obviously, uh, we can't completely ignore what's going on now, but um, I just want to get – a little perspective, especially since nobody's playing this weekend except for the World Juniors. Uh, and they were affected by the Olympics in one of those years that they played without yes. any home games. So um, it'll be a chance to get a bit of perspective about not playing at home and playing every game on the road and playing against some people that uh, – you know, you didn't like, and in front of people that really wanted to see you go down. So um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking it, forward I, it'll to be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's no it. question about it. I, uh, I, I got to start doing my research for, for that. Life, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I got to start doing my research on that uh, because, uh, like I said, they had one year that was really good, and I think they set an, they, the best record in school history and then lost a bunch of those players to the Olympics in 1984. So, um, so there's going to be a lot of good stories, I hope. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, we'll keep uh, the conversation even, going, no doubt. Yeah, I don't. I don't even care about the on ice stuff, to be honest with you. But uh, we'll get to that <laughs> on Tuesday. Okay. Before that, we got professional hockey, uh, Southwest Weekly uh, tomorrow night. It's going to be another exciting show. We're talking about the return of NHL hockey. We're talking about the Arizona Coyotes and their twenty uh, fifth anniversary here in the Valley of the Sun. We're talking. Colorado Avalanche. We're talking Vegas Golden Knights. We're talking about the big trade, be, or uh, with uh, Ottawa, the Coyotes trade Derek Stepan to Ottawa for a second round pick next year. Something that they desperately needed to do for cap space and also for draft picks. So all kinds of good stuff. Take it away, my friend, and we will say good night with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. Behind the masks, college hockey Southwest live on the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network has been brought to you by Belfort. Presenting partner of the Sunday special, visit bellford.com and explore the 2021 return of the legendary Ford Bronco. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, 100% blue agave is used to make our unique tastes. Go to mexicanmoonshine.com to order any of our three award-winning flavors. Behind the mask, ice, in line, in the net, up the ice, whatever your hockey needs are. See our three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. By Verizon Wireless, the 5G coverage America's been waiting for. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. It's all about the butt. By the NCHC, subscribe to nchc.tv and catch all of the action from the College Hockey Conference of Champions. Cold beers and cheeseburgers, sports, craft beers, and made-to-order burgers, 12 Valley locations and two in California. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Worldwide, it's where the action is, in the resort or in town. College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Pre-game, post-game, during the game, the place to be, to be with ASU fans. College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask, and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. And let's not forget our good friends at Burrito Express, who just signed on tonight. Will be uh, big partners coming up, and uh, time to, to add that. <laughs> I know it was a it was a late afternoon deal, but we're happy to have them on board. Big shout out and thank you to uh, NCHC Commissioner Josh Fenton for joining us tonight. What a great conversation! What a great individual! And folks, if you want to watch uh, some great hockey, get on nchc.tv. Also, shout out to Michael Wiseman, the director of communications for the NCHC, for setting everything up for us tonight and. Paul, thank you for your hard work and putting everything together as well. We will uh, talk to you Tuesday night. We'll talk to everybody else on Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly tomorrow night. Good night, everybody. Good night.